0: Phew, <laughs> phew, Welcome to the Humans of Hospitality podcast. I know so many of you listening to this show love your local bar, your local restaurant, maybe your local hotel, and have so many fond memories of time in hospitality businesses. This is the podcast where we get to chat to the human beings behind the scenes of that industry. Maybe the chefs or the bakers or the coffee roasters or the gin distillers or the craft brewers or the entrepreneurs, but all doing an amazing job of making sure the hospitality stays interesting, and the big, dull, formulaic brands do not take over our high street. Please enjoy the show. In this week's episode, I am chatting to Jethro Tennant from the Dorset Sea Salt Company. Now, on a massive rock that juts out into the English Channel down on the south coast, there is a young man who cleverly mimics the salt lakes of the Camargue. So, OK, what Jeffro has created in the last two years is actually a mini version of these awesome salt plains, carefully extracting the sea salt from the pristine water around Dorset's Chessel Beach and drying it in artificial heat, which is powered by solar, wind and biomass energy and in just 24 months demand for his product dorset sea salt is growing steadily from discerning delicatessens farm shops and restaurants to big names like selfridges not bad for a start-up that began life with Rowe heaving jerry cans of seawater from the beach to his parents house and experimenting with the evaporation process on his mum's hob for hours and hours Do not mention the gas bill. Perhaps the most intriguing thing is what triggered Jeff Rowe's fascination for CISO in the first place. I doubt if you'll guess, you'll just have to listen to this week's conversation to find out. Enjoy. Okay, Jethro, thank you so much for sparing the time to be on the podcast. Uh, As has become my kind of opening question, because I get to travel around the country meeting people, could you just uh, explain where on planet Earth are we, please?
1: (laughs) We are on, not in, on the the wonderful Isle of Portland, on the south coast of of England, Dorset. Um, Yeah, it's quite a unusual place it is,
0: isn't it it's like so it's fundamentally what a big a big rock that juts out into the ocean it's beautiful we are literally nigh on 360 degrees ocean all the way around <laughs> us aren't we but i'm guessing it, it, it's not on the way anywhere is it you have to specifically come here yeah
1: absolutely you have to have a, a purpose to, to come here a reason to come here yeah um because it's not exactly on route but not, um but it is beautiful it is it's surrounded by kind of natural beauty everywhere and, and the sea and the stunning kind of coastline yeah so, and yeah. how long have you been here uh, it's a business. We've been here for two years. I've lived here for about three or four, three okay. or four years. Nice.
0: And yeah. it's uh, although it's autumn, it's like twenty odd degrees outside. It's gloriously <laughs> sunny, and, uh, you from your side of the table, you can actually see the ocean in the background. <laughs> so, uh, exactly. Yeah. Very felt, nice. But thank thank you for spending the time. I imagine no if you um, if your business is fundamentally salt from the ocean, then there can't be too many better places although we'll come into that maybe maybe hotter um but just to start with I, w- I want to come to the the detail of, of what you actually do but just just as a starting point you know why salt what on earth got you into this what was the trigger to get you into yeah. it
1: <laughs> yeah uh it's an unusual one I mean I never envisaged getting into the to the to the food industry or you know or the salt industry to be s- specific um a couple of years ago maybe three about three and a half years ago, I graduated from uni. What did you say? And study? I was studying education and politics. So it's nothing um, business related or food related or scientific um, in terms of chemistry. Uh, and I graduated with the, with the aim of wanting of to go into teaching. I was a teaching assistant for a while and I worked in pubs and. So it's primary um, education or secondary? Or primary, primary, primary. Yeah, wow, okay. yeah. So I was a teaching assistant at a special needs school. Wow. Um, Is it near here? Or? Yeah, it was just actually in Weymouth, but right. um, that was amazing. I really loved it there, but I really struggled picking up, you know, the full time, uh, graduate work, grown up jobs right. and, and career jobs. So I was sort of working on building sites, doing all, just odds and sods, yeah. just trying to trying to um, you know build up my CV and trying to get on my way to being an adult. Um, so I really does, should... that never <laughs> sorry, sorry, I don't remember. We're not really ever yeah, adults. That, yeah, if so you, once you've got kids, you have to pretend to be an adult. <laughs> but up until that point, it's not. It's not necessary. <laughs> so, I think one day I was, I was kind of bored and procrastinating from applying for jobs and looking for things to do, um, and I actually stumbled across an article that was about sea stock production. On Portland. What on earth were you reading? Well, yeah. <laughs> I was just looking up a local history. Okay. We Sounds know? like one of those so have I got news for you yeah. kind of magazines <laughs> where I was, I was reading Seesaw <laughs> Weekly. And, uh... yeah. I, was, I, was, I was looking for things to do because I was that bored. And uh, I ended up reading about the local history around Portland and, and Dorset. And I stumbled across an article that was about sea salt production on Portland and how they used to produce it back in the Roman and Saxon times on the east side of Portland, um, a place called the East Weirs. Right. Um, and in, in high tide, the sea would flood in into these man-made salt pans, these huge vats that were man-made by the Romans. And it would flood. And then in low tide, they would, the tide would go back out and leave these pools of water, which would evaporate. In the very few hot days that we'd have <laughs> we'd have here. Um, and then they used to so they'd leave a salty crust on the rocks, which they used to go and scrape off and, and use all sorts of different reasons for, as preservatives for their foods and meats that they used to travel around with. But right. also uh, there was a point in time the Romans were paid in salt. So sailors and soldiers were paid in salt. That's where that was a currency, it was a hugely sh- valued commodity back in the day. Um, that's why words like salary comes from solarium, which is, is you know it's all a derivative of that relationship people have with Seesaw back then. Um, so I, I, don't know, I just found it I found it quite interesting, and in that how something so simple could be could be produced, and why it's not being produced anymore, and why it didn't have the significance that it used to have. I just thought it was a bit weird, really. And yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I started doing it as a bit of a as a as an odd. Uh, weird hobby. So, so most <laughs> most people would have read that article,
0: moved on, and you know, I don't know, looked at a picture of a cat or whatever comes whatever comes after that. Watching cat yeah. Yeah. Um, But you literally thought, I'm going to have a go at that. I'm going to try and make some salt because you, you, I mean, the, the the salt pans that were there. Is there any? Yeah, the, yeah there's
1: the, relics there. Yeah, so there's still kind of remnants of of what of a bygone kind of industry. Right. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Most people would have probably just clicked onto the next subject heading or the next page or, you know. Yeah, but you them. thought I might, I
0: might, have me being a bit weird, like I
1: kind of thought that, oh, what? A, I'm, you know, I'm bored to tears. It'll get me out of the house. I'll go for a walk and collect some seawater and I can take the dog with me and things. And uh, uh, yeah, so I start collecting buckets of seawater and taking them back to my parents'
0: house and... Did you d- deliberately decide not to kind of, you know, take the Roman approach and, and I don't know, recarve out the old salt pans <laughs> and stuff like that? Did you do a bit of research yeah. that went, okay, now you can do this in your kitchen?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I did a lot of research in, in terms of how to make salt. It's, I think at the time it was the middle of winter and it was sort of pouring down in the rain, so it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna work. Um, the Romans didn't have, I suppose, a like national
0: gas supply no, or whatever. No, on no, and supply, I guess you know, that, that,
1: that, back in the day, that's why it was so um, valued yeah. here is because it, it I mean, it, you couldn't even call it seasonal because it was sort of only you know, maybe like a two or three weeks a year, so it was so um, rare. Yeah. So I guess that's why it was so um, important to them back then and so valued. Um, so I started sort of boiling seawater down at my parents' house. Uh, and I just, and just you, yeah. You go was for a work strange. with the dog, you yeah. rock up with a couple of buckets yeah. of seawater. Did yeah. your
0: parents kind of go...
1: What, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? when they were? Yeah. about you? Well, yeah, yes. they were. I remember telling a couple of my mates what I was up to, Right. what I've been up to, and they were just sort of like, you know, have you lost the plot? And
0: did you have yeah. a sort of reputation for quirky eccentricity at this point, or was this the was this I don't the first time?
1: You'll have to ask them. Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah, you know, they kept making references to like Breaking Bad, and they. uh yeah. The guy, the guy, <laughs> there, what's his name, Walter or whatever. Yeah, they thought you were going to do yeah. something hardcore with it. <laughs> it looks a little bit suspicious, you know. Um, so I, start, I started doing that and trying to, you know, uh, experiment and produce the best kind of textured salt I possibly could. Um, at, at the time, just for a, a, a hobby, a bit a, of interest. As a hobby, yeah, just using right. it at home, in the kitchen. And i give the odd sort of little... Uh, pouch, it was in pouches at the time to my friends. Was it, was it, was it relatively easy and was the product then any good? Or well, was that, was I mean, it, essentially, was average? Uh, no, it was rubbish on my first sight. it was terrible. It was sort of like um, scorched, sandy, g- kind of sludgy white substance, which is, right. um, I mean, it's still salt, technically, so, <laughs> um, but no, it was no, it was no good. But essentially, all it is, is no, evaporating seawater so that, in theory, it's not rocket science. Yeah. But there are different variables as I discovered later down the line to make a, a nicely textured okay. uh, flake salt.
0: Well um we'll come into to you know, yeah, I suppose, you know, how, how you actually do it. But mm. how long did you spend then in you know, kind of refining this uh, this process and experimenting before you went, Oh, I might actually, you know, do
1: <laughs> this uh, commercially instead, yeah. of, instead of teaching. Well uh, well, I remember it I was, trying to fine-tune the product for about it must have been about nine months just as a hobby. And right. trying to, you know, get the final product right. Um, thinking you might be able to sell it at the end or, well, just, the or more, just thinking. Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. I like the the more salt. I was doing it, the more I was thinking I'm researching that there's perhaps a, a gap in the market for a for a Dorset-based sea salt yeah. uh, company. And so the more I was doing it, the more I realized that and that was just kind of a culmination over time eventually you got there um, after, you know, lots of trial and error. And Was that,
0: was that a frustrating process where you think, because you're right, you start off, although I've not spent a massive amount of time thinking how to extract salt from seawater, which is why I love <laughs> having conversations with people who take yeah. just a tiny little seed of an idea and yeah. then take it to an extreme level. And, and that's kind of the point of this podcast is that... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of geeks out there. who take something which we all then benefit from because we yeah. end up with this amazing product. Yeah. But were there some times when you thought, okay, this is you know shouldn't be very hard. There's salt in this water. Get rid yeah, of the salt's it. left. But you thought, man, this is impossible. Yeah. Stop this. I should just go <laughs> no, back exactly. to
1: hanging out in a primary school, or, or was it?
0: Because it's, it's a fair amount of time, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. There was times during that phase where it was it was frustrating, but at the same time, it was. Uh, you know, it was exciting, and I liked the challenge. And it was I could see something at the end of it, so um, I don't know. I just felt really motivated at that at that point. It was really exciting, yeah. uh, and I kind of I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing it as a kind of uh, as a kind of lifestyle kind of thing, being able to create stuff from the sea and where you live. Um,
0: and, and that history? Did you, did, you, did you any good at history when you were studying? Was
1: that no, no? no I was not very good at school. Right, but uh, traditional education wasn't my you know my forte or anything I'm more of a hands-on kind of guy yeah perfect Um, yeah well that's what we (laughs) need and that's again why I love this industry because you know there's so many uh yeah, so many people in hospitality
0: here who, who don't want to spend their life uh, yeah, sat behind a desk or or in a classroom yeah, and don't have academia, but they're really good with their hands and their brains and testing stuff. Although, yeah. I don't know, you've done chemistry at school as well, presumably really yeah. better in those lessons. Or? <laughs> no, not um, really. I just remember you getting told off that's what we should do playing is, around we, with the and Burner yeah, yeah, we need to remember that this kind of stuff should be fun, shouldn't it? I'm sure if they <laughs> said, right, get down to the ocean and, and grab some buckets. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and then we'll, exactly. we'll grab, it. Exactly. So um, at some point in this process, then, there's this little seed where you go and look, there might be... a a business opportunity here at, at least uh, a hobby business to, to do something with what you're, you're learning but you didn't have any experience of, of running at this, a business at this point is there any history of kind of like entrepreneurialism or self-employed in your family or?
1: Uh, well my, my parents are self-employed both my parents um, that's useful presumably because yeah, you can see that you don't have to just go and get a yeah exactly and um, yeah I've got you know, my older brother's self-employed and my sister too um, so actually oh, yeah. yeah looking back Come from perhaps quite a, an entrepreneurial family, and that was always kind of instilled in me from an early age. That you can, you know, there's always different ways to skin a cat, yeah. Perfect. Um, which is good. And I you guess.
0: ended up going then to so from uh to actually turn into a business, you ended up going to the Prince's Trust, is that right? Yeah, can you just so, explain a little bit yeah, about So after how, how that came about, once sure. you uh, extracted some salt, yeah, so that was the
1: story for after, I, after I found the, the secret recipe, <laughs> um, and found out how to make you know the perfect kind of salt um i was just frantically looking for help with starting a business whether that's through mentorship or grants or different schemes um because you're quite right i mean i didn't know although i come from a my parents are entrepreneurial but i don't really know where to where to start with it you know um i didn't study that kind of thing and i wasn't really interested in that um so i didn't know where to start so i approached the Princess Trust because I found them online just from searching. Um, so yeah, they're amazing. If people, anybody doesn't know about The Princess Trust, they're a charity that help young people get into work, they have lots of different initiatives, whether that's from hosting employability workshops for disadvantaged young people or um, entering, and enrolling onto their enterprise scheme, which is what I did or doing, you know, they just provide a whole host of different experiences for people to boost their CVs and get into employment. Um, but it's it's a fantastic uh, charity. So I work with them on their enterprise. Right, now, is that like a dragon's den kind of? You yeah, got kind a picture of like idea a, kind of thing. Or yeah, how does it work? Yeah, it's like a it's like a real pleasant uh, <laughs> dragon's den. Yeah, so you yeah, know a lot less stressful. Okay. Um, so you go you enrol on the course. It's a three day course initially, and, and they show you what what you're letting yourself in for, um, which is great. And I found it all really really exciting and and. Um, Motivate, and then they assign you a business mentor a volunteer to the prince's trust that has worked in business all their life and and they give back to the trust so they assign you a mentor to help create a watertight business plan do all your market research look at suppliers uh, all of that kind of jazz your target target market um and then once you've got this business plan i mean it took it took me about another 12 months with my business mentor to to finalise this business plan and take it before
0: you actually started producing. yeah
1: before we started producing it, <laughs> it commercially as a business okay and, and taking it to to retailers and restaurants and, all. and was that mentorship
0: helpful because yes. often I like, oh, yeah, hear it's... that the mentorship is actually more useful yeah. than the money because they also put some money
1: in it yeah absolutely yeah they're 100% right the, they, they gave us a small a low interest loan mm-hmm. a, few, a few thousand pounds um uh as a result of going to pitch it so you, you take your you take your business plan and you go and pitch it to, to a panel to uh, the friendly dragon's den yeah. uh and they ask you questions they try and pick it apart but then you come back and you show that you've done your done your homework and then they give you the, the low interest loan a few thousand pounds to get yourself off your off, off the business off the ground so that might be like a couple the first month's rent on the on the prop on the on the, the office or the factory could be for a website or the first packaging run um so that was great, but the, yeah, you're right, the most important, most valuable element of working with the Prince's Trust and their scheme was the, the mentorship and the experience and expertise and having someone there as a, as a sounding board for any,
0: any... Any key nuggets that you got from that person that you remember and think, oh, if I hadn't told, you know, been told that or if I hadn't had that kind of uh, relationship, I might not be sat here now? Yeah, well, I think my,
1: my mentor particularly is a very sort of calming uh, he had a very calming kind of uh, attitude towards the world. He was very laid back and he's very organised, whereas I'm kind of like to get on 100 miles an hour and don't really think about things, just, you know, just do it. So I think as a general theme, that was a really good impression that he had on me. Um, but then if I was thinking more specifically to a, a, a specific kind of element of the business, maybe uh, the... The numbers <laughs> which is the essential the backbone of any business but um yeah i mean that was a bit of a baptism of fire at the start i mean i never looked at a profit and loss account before or a cash flow forecast or yeah. you know anything like that before so uh yeah those that was a uh, that was a massive thing that you he helped me to kind uh, We don't seem to go
0: through that enough in education, do we? No. We, don't, we don't seem to do anything no. on mortgages and current, and whether it's changed now, I don't know. Yeah, P&L accounts, which fundamentally are useful for life, really, because a p l account's account is just a budget at the end of exactly, the day. Exactly, yeah, so I yeah, think everyone some... would benefit. I worry there's some sort of conspiracy that tries to permanently keep us overdrawn and in debt <laughs> and in the, in the kind of capitalist yeah. game, and they're like, no, don't tell too many yeah, people yeah. how a budget works, otherwise yeah. we'll all... <laughs> we'll all get out of it it. so so during that year then when you were building it was that was that literally kind of before you went commercial you were what coming up with a brand building a website all that kind of stuff or was it more just how we actually go
1: into fine premises and start making it so that was everything really it was fine-tuning the the product still i was trying to just trying to finish that off still in the kitchen yeah in the kitchen yeah kitchen trials and then doing the packaging um logo, the brand, what we, you know, establishing the brand values, what we wanted it to to portray and, you know, really why we're doing it um, is an important basis to Did start from. Did you work from. with an
0: agency or anything on that? Because your brand's really nice. It's nice and clean and fresh. The photography's lovely yeah, when you're working well, we, with someone. Yeah,
1: we worked later down the line, A couple uh, about a year in, we won something called the Seed Fund, which is a competition for... Um, I see a stick it on your wall yeah, behind it actually. So I'm still where, um, still yeah. milking it. Yeah, 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 The seed
0: fund winner 2018. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, they helped us a lot of the brand. That was that was, a reward. was the reward. The prize was a budget to spend with these guys, which uh, so who are they? called the collaborators. And the seed fund is so the seed fund is a competition that's initiated by the Guild of Fine Food and um, a brand marketing and branding company called the Collaborators, which are food industry specialists. Um, so we ended up somehow fluking that and um, yeah, sne- sneaking that away. What? What? Based on what? What were they? Uh, what were they looking for? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it was the right time for our product, yeah. and I guess, I guess they liked, they liked it. You know, they, they thought that it was a nice offering, and, and the brand was really good, and, and it had legs. So they helped us a lot yeah. with the brand, which we're very, very fortunate. To, again, you know, it's things like that uh, where people are. People in, you know, privileged positions are looking to give back and help. Yeah. People that are starting out is it's another example of how that's really um, aided the Dorset Seesaw Company. So yeah, yeah, they're very lucky, you know. Uh, yeah,
0: that comes up a lot actually, I think, particularly in this sector, maybe compared to others, but you bearing in mind that food and drink is such a competitive industry. <laughs> but I think you find most people in in the hospitality and food and drink you know, it's the kind of industry where mm. You know, we're, we're all about looking after people. Exactly, the, yeah. pe- if people who make food mm. almost want to see that kind of instant gratification yeah. of somebody enjoying their yeah. product, and therefore you almost inevitably end up kind of looking after people. So it yeah, exactly. constantly comes up how helpful it is. Yeah, this, I like mean, I, yeah,
1: I remember when uh, the market research phase, I was going around talking to potential retailers at local farm shops and delis, and then local chefs and restaurants, and, you know, thinking, going in thinking, this must be so annoying for them to have me constantly, you know, on the end of the phone or sending them emails or knocking on the door and asking stupid questions and things, but actually they're, they're amazing. They're really, you know, and they're still friends that I've got now and concepts that I've got now. So on the whole, <clears throat> people in the food and hospitality industry are, you know, really, really helpful and kind and just looking to help people out, which is great, you know? yeah. yeah, it's so kind really of
0: full, of, full of human beings, I think, It is, it's real That's people, it's called, yeah. You know, the humans of hospitality from yeah, this chat perspective is, is that, you know, <laughs> there's generally some good eggs behind it. Yeah. So you spend 12 months planning it and then literally you get to a point where you go, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch it. And is this, by then have you got premises to do this commercially or do you launch yeah, so from the kitchen?
1: Yeah, so we launched in a, in a small premises. I mean, we're still in a small premises, but we're in a, a smaller one. Um, on an s- extremely s- small scale. Uh, and we just started selling to farm shops and delis and, uh, and a few selected restaurants. Um, these are people that I've met during the kind of market research phase and built up a rapport with. Um, so we, yeah, we finally, you know, got over the line with launching a product, which was really exciting. And uh, yeah, I remember getting the first our first stockist, which is like, you know, mind blowing for me. And then just actually seeing it on a shop, on the shelf on the shelf. It was was incredible. So I, I always remember that moment of seeing that. It was, uh, yeah, it's it pretty cool. Have you ever gone anywhere and bought it in incognito? <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, no, I haven't. Have you not? <laughs> I no. hear so many people
1: who um,
0: it's normally, to be fair, in supermarkets we had it. I, I not saying specifically it was Jimmy's iced coffee, but also just tomato yeah. tamar- juice people, and they're yeah. kind of like. Man, I need to make this look popular. So you go in and just kind of like, yeah, buy it all up. So uh, yeah, it's quite a common technique. If you've ever got anybody <laughs> thinking of putting your product, just you just need to either yeah. go in yourself or send to yeah. a few people and
1: start. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Start buying. I'm it sure many of so. my friends have done that just out
0: of uh, yeah, yeah just, just 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 to help you <laughs> out. So those those initial sales were literally then just done word of mouth. You rocking up, mm-hmm. going in and saying, yeah. "Hey, buy this; it's cool."
1: Yeah, exactly. So we did a bit on social media to lead up to the to the brand Fine. to the launch. Awesome. Um, so that sort of gets me into yeah. put a little bit. So I think to, to, to so many people, you know, kind of salt,
0: salt, a lot of people just have a bit of table salt in their, uh, in, in their kitchen and shake it on their chips. Uh, some people might have moved on to, yeah, I don't know, Maldons or Cornish and the, yeah. and the competition a little bit in, in chef's world. But can you just explain a little bit that, you know, not all salt is salt, basically. It's different. Just just tell me about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, why. first and foremost, sea salt as a, as a product, as an ingredient, is... And wherever you get it from, it's a, it's a, a game changer in terms of flavour. Um, so it, it really is a must in a, in, a, you know, in a commercial kitchen or at home in your cupboard or in the pantry or whatever. Um, but there's absolutely a difference. I mean, naively, I, I, I'd be the same kind of person that would think salt, salt is salt. You know, I used to think that. Um, but it's not it's not true. It Dependent. There's two major variables. It's kind of where you harvest the sea salt from. So that's the geographic location. Um, so the mineral profile of the waters where you harvest from will add or detract to the final flavour because they all have a different mineral profile around the world or the UK. Um, and then the second variable is manufacturing techniques. So that's concentrations of brine, seawater, temperatures, humidities, diamonds um, will either preserve, <clears throat> add or detract again from the, different, from the, from the mineral composition. And those, you know, those minerals will contribute to the flavour. So if you're killing off, I don't know, uh, magnesium in sea salt, it might be a bit less bitter because magnesium tastes are quite uh, bitter. So, yeah, there's those two kind of major factors that will. That will Kind of differentiate so can you tell i
0: mean is it a little bit like uh i don't know coffee beans or, or grapes or wines i suppose certain people can 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 tell certain profiles i guess you hear about it less with salt because very rarely is it something mm. to consume on its own i guess it's obviously yeah, exactly, ingredient yeah. in something but yeah. is it possible to uh to kind of taste salt and actually notice some differences then in flavors
1: yeah definitely definitely so i mean the main the main the obvious one is texture so you get sea salt comes in many different textures it can be flake it could be rock it could be a fleur de sel, which is a real fine delicate flake or a flower of the salt it's a real fine delicate um, flake um but the flavour yeah definitely so some might be a bit more minerally if that's a word uh, or some might be stronger so i'd say that our sea salt is a bit stronger than others on the market um others might be a bit more balanced um, so definitely there's a you know it, it, it sounds strange talking about it and I risk sounding extremely pretentious but um, it is true it's true that's <laughs> no, good yeah, and it's why I love it's why I love people who go
0: off and get geeky about their one thing so yeah. I, I mentioned to you before we started recording this but I always remember chatting to William Curley about chocolate and, and hearing him kind of like up so he's one of the best uh, patissier chocolates so uh, chocolatiers yeah. in the country and uh, actually got your cocoa as well not too far yeah, from here so the it, it, and, Swannage, yeah. and, and um, yeah Claire from there was the same but that level of obsession and knowledge and stuff on, on, on just the cocoa bean and where it comes from and how it's grown and how it's treated and we're so lucky as consumers in the modern world that we just get to rock up and order a, a hot chocolate <laughs> or, a, or, a, or a little sweet or something like yeah. that and then it's the same in the kitchen, it's kind of like, yeah, grab a you know half a teaspoon of sea salt and chuck it in your dish, and you don't think about actually what goes on behind the scenes to make that. And we're gonna we're gonna come into the technicalities of making it. So yeah, I'm always just super grateful when I meet people like you because I haven't got time to go off and yeah. uh, spend you know three or four years learning about the history of salt and, and harvesting it and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that somebody does, and then we're in that privileged position where we get to consume it so mm. easily and just rock up in a shop and just you know buy a jar. Absolutely. Uh, I think is phenomenal. So, um, but in the in the kind of the big world of of salt. And I suppose, you know, we used to have probably really good salt. And then I guess we've probably, certainly in the UK, where we didn't really have a particularly foodie reputation, I think we probably just went through a number of years where we were all using some sort of crappy mass produced table salt. What's the difference in in where does that come from? And does that have additives and stuff that's kind of put in it in a different way to kind of see salt? Explain the kind of, if yours is, say, one of the creme de la creme kind of salts that you can get, what's at the other end of the market yeah, just well, so the, the consumer understands? Yeah, it? so
1: the other end would be like a, you know, like a table salt. Which would be laden with chemicals and. Where does that come from, Jim? It, it's normally mined and it's milled, right? Um, so that in that table salt, it won't be it won't be unrefined. It won't be natural. Um, it'll have a sort of anti-caking agents in it. Um, so why is that? What's it? Why do they put stuff in it? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I <laughs> guess I guess it's cheaper to produce that way in terms of. Um, for the, mass, for the mass market, but I'm not too sure why they have to ruin a perfectly natural product. Right.
0: I don't know why. But that would be the norm. You go into the shop and you just buy your, your bulk stuff Somebody yeah. who doesn't, you know, yeah, who hasn't absolutely. listened to this yet and just thought salt was salt, goes in and buys it. So yeah. it will generally be mine. Does it, it tend to be British or is there a particularly big producer no, I mean, globally?
1: Yeah, uh, classically it's, um, you get the sort of, the hotter countries like France, Spain, Portugal, Israel, um, a massive salt producers because they've got the climate to do that, naturally, um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a cheaper product over there. I'm not knocking the, um, the product, because some of the sea salts that come out of those places are are, are amazing. Um, but it's just because of the way they produce it, it's a lot cheaper right. to, to produce. Whereas over here, we have to use artificial energy yeah. to, to produce it. Um, hence, overheads are higher than the product. But, but even
0: through. though, so sea salt is a step up from Your bulk standard salt tends mm. to be mined from the ground rather than yeah. from the ocean Does yeah yeah definitely, just yeah. exists what in the yeah. rock again excuse my naivety yeah but the, I yeah, the rock. Stuff yeah on the ground in the rock okay and then the next step up from that might be in essence mass-produced sea salt mm-hmm. and then you end up in the more boutique yeah. sea salts like yeah. you is that yeah. The, yeah that's
1: the salt yeah definitely journey
0: okay <laughs> um going back again historically <clears throat> Did they used to be, in, in the same way that there was a, you know, there was a coffee roaster in every town once upon a time and there was a gin distiller in every town and stuff like that. And then we ended up with just having, you know, global salt and now we've got a couple of others, you know, Cornish, mm. you. Mm. Historically, was this something that was done all around the coast of Britain or was, was it, were there particularly niche kind of places that did well, it? Well, yeah, no,
1: it, it used to go on all across, you know, UK, I know for a fact, in Dorset, it's, you know, salt pans here, there's Pool. there's a, an old sultan's house there where they used to produce salt. Limington has a massive uh, salt history from the marshes there. Um, Spaces all over the UK that have a rich... And most of those gone? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, there's only a handful of British sea salt producers. Um, so, yeah, and why, why of... do you
0: think it disappeared? Well, industrial...
1: industrialisation, cheaper imports, um, ease of manufacturing, it's, it's quite a hard product to manufacture in the UK because of the climate in a cheap, cheap way that suits the market mm-hmm. at, the, at the time. So. Do you know how long ago we lost it as a, as a product when I, we sort of switched off?
0: I don't know. It's just interesting because it seems to be the same in so many uh, different products. Um, I was chatting to uh, <clears throat> Michael Stokes about uh, stone grind, uh, stone ground kind of flour and the yeah, fact that you know, yeah. that's, we used to have again, something I can't remember, I'd have to go back, there's a podcast mm. about it, but maybe there were 600 kind of flour mills across the country. And now yeah. there's something like 18, you know, we lost that ability to actually manufacture, but how much of a better product it was. Because when you stone grind the uh, the grain, you keep the embryo from the uh, yeah. from the wheat in the yeah. flour, and it's a, that's where all the nutrients are. And unfortunately it goes rancid quicker, so it only lasts kind of six weeks instead of mm-hmm. six years. And it kind of feels the same with salt. It's kind of like if you mass produce it, mine it from the ground, you end up you know filling mm-hmm. with some agents, and it's a product that lasts yeah. forever. So we seem to have gone through this period of losing a certain amount of our culinary kind of history. Yeah. And it's quite exciting that now it's, it's coming back again, but it's coming back in such a, a tiny niche way. Hopefully Hopefully that's good for you. Yeah. But when you looked at it and you were doing the research side of it and you saw, like I say, a few of the competitors in the UK, did you think, you know, this is a crowded market? It's not like you ever go into the supermarket and they go, oh, no, we've run out of salt. You know, I'm mm. really sorry, it's a real shortage. You know, it's kind of like, it's, there's loads, isn't there? What, what made you believe that you could step into, uh, into a market and, and create a brand?
1: Yeah, um, the, there's lots of other larger British see some companies out there fantastic companies <coughs> businesses not knocking a product whatsoever um, uh, they've done extremely well and they've been they've stood the test of time and they've done really well with it so you're right it was a crowded market um a couple of the bigger ones kind of dominate the the market at the moment i just thought that it, it really affected me that why it died out on portland and in dorset because dorset is a county and the lifestyle people associate with Dorset as a brand is, I probably, you know, the best in the UK, I I think. And it's to have, if you want to produce a pure, 100% pure, clean, natural product, where better to produce it than the Jurassic Coast, Chesil Beach. So it was a no brainer for me. I'm not too concerned about what the competition are doing. that was not really about that. It's kind of just focusing on the brilliance of what we do, and you know, demonstrating that. Obviously, you have to keep an eye on what other people are doing in the market and all the boring stuff. But
0: yeah. So, so people are buying it then, apart from you know, um, flavour. Do you think do you think that provenance, the fact it's a Dorset product, that that, that that Dorset brand is strong, and that's why people people purchase it yeah, as definitely. well as the quality.
1: Yeah, definitely. So that's a you know, like a secondary uh, motive behind buying it is because of you know the the Jurassic Coast, Chester Beach, Dorset. If you look at other Dorset brands that have exported beyond the Dorset and South, like Dorset cereal, Dorset tea. Um, absolutely. It's just the kind of lifestyle people associate with Dorset and, and the opinions people have of it. Mm. It's, a, it's a trusted and British kind of uh, beacon, really. Yeah. I mean, will
0: have, we'll have lots of uh, messages from the Cornish. Now, anyway, probably against <laughs> <gets> Cornish. <laughs> I love Cornish. Yeah, we're, we're lucky; it's a good, uh, good neighbour. And let's not forget uh, <laughs> Devon, squeezed in between the middle. But let's
1: not forget. Um, but do you export out of Dorset as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we sell. Uh, we started off supplying different outlets in Dorset and neighbouring counties, and we we do some we do bits and bobs in London and up north. Um, we do a little bit of export, which is good. We're just starting to do a bit of that now. Um, so yeah, the, you know, the, it was never the plan was never to just um, create a Dorset brand for Dorset people. It was a Dorset brand for, for everyone, yeah. a Dorset product for everyone. So that's what we aim to do. And, and you're mainly going, are you in any of the supermarkets, or was this more through delis? And... Well, it's, it's also a funny, a funny product. It, it can kind of sit across. It's a high end. Don't get me wrong. It's a high end. It's a premium retail offering, but it can still be a premium retail offering in different outlets. So we just started. Predominantly, 90 percent of the business is farm shops, delis, high-end retail, high-end restaurants, gourmet food manufacturers. Um, we do a little. We just started to do a little bit of work with Morrison's on their regional suppliers and a local supplier scheme, which I think is really good for kind of champion, championing local products. Um, and it doesn't. It's not out of place. So it's a premium offering in, in that outlet. Um, we're not trying to beat anyone on price. We're trying to tell everybody that we're. The best sea salt. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it would,
0: yeah, it'd be bonkers to try and compete on price I think, with, uh, <laughs> exactly uh, on a, yeah. on a, on a, on a global exactly. level. I think, wouldn't you? So, um, right. So I want to go a little bit, you know, back to, to where we were about how you actually uh, produce it. I suppose so. Um, Where's it come from? Where's your water from? We're surrounded by water here. I don't need the precise location <laughs> if it's a secret, but I mean you're not you're no longer presumably rocking up at the beach with a couple of buckets. Yeah, so like, where yeah, yeah, are yeah, yeah. you just throw the bucket off the end of Portland Bill and wind it in? How does it now work?
1: Yeah, so I, I used that's how we I used to when we started how used to collect it was I used to take my little Vauxhall Astra down to Portland Bill and I'd fill up I'd have about fifteen jerry cans in the back. And I'd spend about two hours trying to fill them all up. And I cut them back to the car and take them back to our premises and filter them. Uh, filter them through what? Filter them for a physical filter, 10 micron filter, and then for a UV filter, um, which kills bacteria and pathogens. This is even back in your mum's kitchen yeah, days. Yeah. Right. No, that wasn't, not, uh, okay. not in the mum's kitchen days. Right. I wasn't too this concerned This is once you've worked out why it, yeah. why it wasn't as good when, as it could be. When, could when, we, when we switched to being a commercial, kind of, you know, selling to shops. Yeah. There's a certain responsibility that comes with that. Make sure that it's safe. I wasn't too concerned about harming my, <laughs> myself or my friends. Um, yeah, uh, so we take the seawater back then. We put it through the filtration system, and then we heat it in large pans to, to heat the seawater in large pans to create a concentrated brine, a super super salty uh, seawater. And then we get that concentrate, and then we put it into shallow evaporation trays with heat lamps above the evaporation trace that would so those heat lamps that pretty much emulate the sun. Like they would make this. So sea it's a micro version. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, having flashbacks of
0: traveling around the south of France and seeing yeah, these exactly. huge salt plains. Exactly. Like just, you know, as far as the eye can I, I see. I have been, yeah, I'd love to go
1: and check it out. Yeah, massive, yeah, massive on the scale. I suppose.
0: Yeah. So you're you're replicating that on a smaller scale way, yeah. with a with a different a different product because you've mm. got the local kind of sea and minerals yeah. and, and how that's stands. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So sorry to interrupt. Carry on. No, you Put those uh,
1: put those lamps above it. Yeah. So you put the lamps above it. So they're effectively the sunshine, um, and then after about forty eight hours the sea salt will start forming on the top layer of the brine in these shallow trays it will start kind of splitting out on the top of the brine into little flakes it will start a little, as a little kind of um, crystal and it will expand and expand into a flake and then once it gets too heavy for the surface tension on the top of the brine it will then precipitate to the bottom of the tray and then we go and scoop it out very carefully and then by re- hand? yeah by hand yeah, little scoops and then we'd Rinse it in a, it sounds a bit weird this, but we'd rinse it, we'd harvest the salt, we'd rinse it in a higher concentrated brine so that the salt wouldn't dissolve again. We'd rinse it in a higher concentrated brine because you get like a, you get a magnesium buildup. So we want to get rid of the magnesium just because it, it, it tastes, it's real bitter. Um, and it's like a chalky white residue, so it doesn't taste very good and it doesn't, you don't want, you want a nice glistening, shiny salt flakes we need to get rid of is it, so this something you found out through
0: trial and error or, yeah. or is, this, is this the power of Google
1: <laughs> yeah so it's a bit of both trial and error um, and yeah temperatures go, go. the internet was really good for kind of scientific research you know I'm not that way inclined so um, <clears throat> that was really handy so we then rinse it clean it um, and then we drain it on a on some trays we let it drain for a couple of days and then we dry it out in a in a drying cabinet a, a giant kind of dehumidifier um, so the whole process would probably well it still takes the same amount of time about 8 days for a batch um, and then at the time we weren't doing any flavoured sea salts we we do a whole range of different flavoured sea salts now for the retail market um, we are just doing the natural the pure salt at the time so that was what we were doing <laughs> so yeah so you made that sound a little easy so each batch
0: that you were doing how much would that produce in in
1: Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Testing me now, but the general rule of thumb is a pint of seawater is a pinch of salt. So right. it's quite a lot of seawater you need. I remember I think if one of those jerry cans was twenty kilos, we had fifteen. We weren't we will not getting a lot of salt, wow. you know, Amazing. a few kilos. But we we're making headways into the market slowly and surely, and um, getting it on the shelves.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it was a start that's why you're lucky you're surrounded
0: by so much of a natural product i suppose <laughs> yeah. and now there's a pipeline or something you don't have to pick it up in jerry cans is no that right? yeah so
1: we pumped the seawater straight out we actually found a pipeline on Chesil Beach
0: what what was that doing
1: before then? was it what was it actually for? A, a sort of aquariums up and down the country use it really? um, yeah it sounds ridiculous doesn't it so on Chesil 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 Bay, was I was never I never knew about this i never knew about this yeah, no, 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 New about New this. yeah go on you know, i'm I, interested yeah there's <laughs> mumps trying to like, dangling off the here to the portland bill trying to Collect seawater. Um, we found this pipe that lots of aquariums use up and down the country for, the, for their fish and their sea life.
0: What it literally pumps to them?
1: Or no, pump, they pump it out into big um, water containers. Okay. And, and then lorries. take it by lorry. Take it, yeah, I was take just it, it by lorry. It was like yeah, it's yeah. yeah. no. like
0: a secret network. like Harry Potter esque now. There's <laughs> yeah. this whole kind of saltwater <laughs> yeah. thing being distributed yeah, that'd be around, around the cool, UK. So yeah. <laughs> okay. So you can buy it in big yeah. containers and have it yeah. and in and
1: they store. All these aquariums because of the quality of the of the water obviously the, the, wild, the sea life that they've got there is extremely expensive so right. they want to use the best Why is waters. beach the best water well it's kind of grade a pristine waters it's protected a protected coastline um mm. world heritage site there's lots of different variables to it um but that is a you know it's a sign that the water here is, is of you know enormous quality people like that are risking their Amazing. whole business. and you didn't on, on you didn't know that the no no, no, you no just yeah, had I to didn't, it, I, you didn't, didn't specifically I didn't have a bloody yeah, you just, Yeah, you just
0: went to Portland because it was the closest water to your house. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And, and, and it, was, and it um, turns out you were on the doorstep of some of the best water <laughs> in the country. Yeah. Sometimes these things are just meant know. to be, aren't I they? T- well, I t- yeah, I mean, I fluked out. Yeah, well, I'm very that's lucky. really handy. <laughs> Let alone then that you found somebody who could actually uh, <laughs> actually deliver it to you. Does that quality of water then, you mentioned that it, you know, it's really good, does it vary? Is this a seasonal product or, or can you get it all year round? Is there have times when it's better or worse than others?
1: Yeah, well, it would be seasonal for just using sunlight. But it's not seasonal because we're using artificial heat lamps and energy like you know okay. and so when you
0: when you say you have to filter it because yeah. now that you're not just sending to your friends what, what are you filtering out of it
1: What's so the physical filter will get things like uh sand grit right. plankton <laughs> okay. stuff like that out of it and then so that's an extremely extremely fine filter um and then the, uh, there's a biological filter so it'll kill things like um if there's any the kind of pathogens or bacteria and that will go through a uv light and that will just kill any bacteria automatically um even though it's sort of pristine waters and the best waters in the uk it's kind of the standard geo- yeah, you just got to do it makes a lot of sense yeah okay
0: yeah. so you end up with salt the water itself just evaporates basically so there's mm. like there's, you don't make it rain in portland there's a no. little cloud over no. where you've uh, yeah. where you've evaporated it All. um so a lot of that then is it's obviously energy uh, intensive, I'm yeah. guessing. Uh, and and I, know, I know the answer in some of these ways. but you know, people's concerns would be hearing that, not using the sun to, mm-hmm. to make salt. It's presumably, you've got to look at the sustainability of this. Yeah. So how have you got around? The, is, is it very energy intensive and how have you it is? Yeah, but, that? Yeah, itself?
1: it is. In the early days, it was in the trial and error. And when we first launched, we were using, we were using gas, which obviously was expensive and not very good for the for the environment. i just the, thinking the, of your mum's gas pit when <laughs> <that's the> first <laughs> nine months. Yeah, they weren't very happy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I'm I'm very grateful. <laughs> yeah. Paid them back. On, but, yeah, the plan was to always be kind of uh, environmentally aware. I'm that way inclined anyway, without going too far into politics. Um, so we switched to solar panels to create to create energy and, and wind as well, to create hardness oh, of wind energy. And biomass energy so that's using recycled wood chips to create a heat, a heat source um, so we've switched over to that now so it's all kind of renewable um, which is great and it's a great well we hope that we're showing a bit of an example to other people and yeah. we're not we're not on a on a high horse or anything, but you know, I just think that. I think it's important, isn't it? That. When you're yeah, fundamentally, you're, you're, yeah. you're evaporating. If you only get yeah. a pinch
0: of salt for whatever it was, a pint of water or something, that's a lot of evaporation. It is. I suppose. It is. Yeah. So the solar panels are on the roof of the building we're in there. Yeah. They? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah and solar, the wind. So yeah. And how much of your energy comes from from kind of I don't know? Would do you know the is <laughs> the, the, the wind and the solar element and the biomass? Is it? Uh, oh God, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not 100 sure that. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. I'm tragically interested in everything. No, so, no, no. Uh, no. I yes, should so really I mean, know that. I think it's cool because I was uh, you know, even just on a house level, but I was reading <laughs> about Elon Musk and his uh, his kind of solar t- tiles, and then the fact that you can then um, because obviously you know, we use more power at night than we use in the daytime in a domestic environment. But then you put in one of these big power packs in your garage, so your tiles fundamentally yeah. charge the uh. batteries in in the daytime, and then you use the power from the batteries at night. And I think all of that trajectory of where we're going. <laughs> but um, a lot of people will be turning off if I get any more geeky. I'll do a solar-powered <laughs> one one day. Um, with that, that kind of sustainability angle, that's not just a, a kind of marketing drive. Then this is something that you believe in uh why is that and is it is it unusual in sort of sea salt production to have that is it is it, is it an issue that the um, uh, that the industry uses too much energy in general would you say
1: yeah i think well i think the food industry in general uses too much never mind just sea salt we are different in terms of competitors that we we do use renewable energy and we and the only thing we do is packaging plastic free for the retail side of the business so it's all glass and recyclable energy uh, materials because of the whole plastic thing in the sea level see what sea um and is that and the always the ocean case? yeah not, so well actually we-, we started um when I was making friends and families that was in little pouches yeah but then we've kind of wanted to do the business plan and, and looking at how we can be responsible on that side of things but you know it was a it was a no-brainer it was a no-brainer it's slightly more expensive but because um, the particular publicity around plastic and the oceans has only really been probably the last six
0: or seven months, yeah. I think, but
1: you were doing it anyway just because yeah. it, was, it was the right thing to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we're, we're kind of the only one that does it in the UK, a seesaw producer. Yeah. But you know, there's lots more alternatives out there in terms of packaging. There's some great Dorset-based restaurants that are championing a similar attitude. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a no-brainer for us, really. Yeah,
0: I think you're right. I think something like 80% of fossil fuels or something are used in, yeah, it's in, incredible. in agriculture, it nice. isn't it? It's just in, yeah. insane, I think, isn't it? You know, people yeah. transport and everything else is our food production. Yeah, it's mental. So, uh, yeah, I, I think... It's good that we seem to be going through this period of change now. I think mm. just information to be fair, I don't think mm. we ever we were ever happy it was that way, just nobody mm. really knew it was that way. But now the uh now that we're hearing the yeah. impact of, of what we eat, there seems to be a huge change. I'm certainly noticing it in the restaurant sector. Yeah. Where people being good. much more conscious yeah. about yeah, how do we how do we minimize our impact and that's the challenge, is the is the how. But that's another topic I'm hoping to get to <laughs> see. Um Guy from uh, Riverford Organics I want to go and have a chat with him oh, yeah, about yeah, how, we, how we grow our produce and look like a soil and all that <laughs> kind of stuff so that will be um, another day so um, you know congratulations on getting it to where you've got it through can you, can you continue to expand have you now got the capacity you've, you, you've moved to new premises uh, yeah plenty of room to grow
1: yeah I mean obviously everything, you know, everything in life you have to do it in moderation and be sensible and make sure it's the right time and you, you've got enough staff and You know that is the plan it's never to be a a kind of lifestyle business uh it's to be a kind of serious contender in the market and if we can take it to make it available throughout the uk that's what we that's what we plan to do so there is it is scalable it is scalable we're sensible with it and we've got you know a blueprint for x amount of salt it's just a case of multiplying it um in simple terms. Bit, so have you, now, have you now employed people to uh, help with that? Who do you now work with? Yeah, so I, well, it's actually a bit of a family operation now. It's like, a, yeah, can't get away from them. So I work with my brother and my sister and, and my my dad. He actually helps out as well. So there's four of us that are working full-time on it. Do so they um, laugh at the back
0: that you were just the sort of mental guy in the kitchen, ruining <laughs> their work services. Yeah. And now you've given them all a job. You must <laughs> be a bit smug now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at
1: that. Yeah, uh, no, it's a good. it's a good laugh. You know, I'll never hear the end of it, of, yeah. you know the weird stories that they, they they tell their friends about how it all came to fruition and yeah I mean I'm very fortunate the whole reason I started the business was to create a, a career for myself and people around Portland that didn't have opportunity and there wasn't there wasn't enough opportunities for young people to get on or just people in general um, so if we can you know that's a real ambition of mine and for the is to create local jobs for, for local people and if we can do that if I can do that with my family along the way that's amazing so I'm extremely fortunate for yeah, that's how exciting, it's turned it? out I'm very lucky I'm very lucky yeah.
0: what would they be doing if they weren't working with you do
1: you know uh, probably um, I don't know all sorts moved all sorts. out of
0: Portland
1: yeah, they might have done I, I imagine it's well, a problem locally I imagine a lot of people end up moving exactly yeah I mean lots of my, my been friends been. Well, I went to university were from from Dorset not just Portland but Dorset moved to kind of moved to London and Manchester and got a job in recruitment or insurance or you know I never wanted that I didn't see Maybe I was just being a bit stubborn, but I didn't understand why you had to do that, just to get on, get on in life, you know, I like living around family and friends. I love yeah. living by the sea and, and, and the coast. So
0: I yeah, you know, a, a lot of people are forced
1: to do that. I think we're very lucky. We live in such a beautiful part of the world, um, aren't we? Yeah, and we
0: uh, yeah. we're motivated to stay. It's the same with Jimmy. When I was chatting to um, Jimmy from Ice Coffee, do you know Jimmy? Or, I haven't you know, met him. No, no He was Great always product. obsessed. You know, refused to move to London. He was yeah. always you know lives in Southbourne wanted to, yeah. be able to go and uh, and and surf or walk along by the ocean. Every day. Yeah. So I think maybe we're just more motivated than a lot of people to yeah. uh, to try and. Yeah, create jobs if there aren't jobs yeah, that's because it. we uh, we don't want to leave. So um, you mentioned then that the, the next stage you've got potential growth, but you've also started to develop uh, lots of different uh, flavors. Is that just yeah. like, was that something you always wanted to do, or was that chefs kind of uh, I don't know, demanding it or the consumer demanding it? Yeah, it's
1: um, a bit of both really. That's probably the most enjoyable part of the part of the job and what I do is talking. I mean, admittedly, I'm not a, I'm not a chef, um, never have been. I, I don't think I ever will, I, you know, I try, yeah. but I'm not amazing. But fortunately I'm good friends with quite a lot of decent chefs, so I talk to them about flavors and pairings and, and different flavored sorts and what's working and what's not. Um, so we do a lot of trial and error of coming up with these new flavors um, and what their applications could be. So yeah, at the moment we've got eight or nine, no, nine, nine flavors on the retail range and uh, we've got you know we've got a really cool one we've got a beetroot and apple sea salt which is like electric pink that's great uh like around the rim of a margarita or a cocktail okay i was going to say what really are cool. they designed to do is this is yeah. this as an ingredient in dishes or you, yeah uh, yeah it could be it could be to finish a uh, finish a nice chocolate brownie or uh or like a salmon grapple or something like that the beetroot one or you could we've got a celery salt that's obviously good to bloody mary or quail's eggs or Pork it crisps around really well, so there's lots of different flavours that have different parents and applications. But there's some in there that are a bit more generic, like a smoky. So the uses yeah. for that are uh, like you know infinite. High do use you in um, things.
0: do you sell in sort of uh, commercial quantities for bars and restaurants and stuff? Like yeah, that so well, we do. Or?
1: Yeah, so that's our kind of retail range. And then for the for the bars and restaurants and the and the food service market, we do a kilo and a half tub of the natural salt, and we also do a smaller tub of the smoked right. salt. Right. So um, I was thinking for the bars as well, the fact, yeah, you mentioned the yeah, few exactly, though, Yeah, exactly, yeah, and the, the celery and the, salt, we're just about to a do a, a milled version of that, because at the moment it's all like a flaky texture. Yeah. So um, for the celery salt, we're looking at milling it and sending that to bars, and they yeah. could use it in the cocktails, and same with the beetroot one. so, um, yeah. Amazing, so bags of potential. <laughs> um, how many years now then, since you... Uh, well, since you two, started, only two? Two, yeah, oh, two. Awesome. Still, just, uh, just, just, just over two. Okay. So it's a pretty
0: limited period of time, but anything you would have done differently with what you
1: know now to when you started uh, this? Well, probably quite a lot of things. I, I, it's like a daily occurrence, that kind, kind of thing, looking back on something that I've done and wishing that I had known about that before or, or known how to do it better. So I don't think anything really stands out. It all kind of merges into one kind of big, steep learning curve. Um, uh, I think it's because interesting everybody's winging that. it fundamentally isn't it so you didn't
0: know how to set up a like, no up I, I mean I it literally this yeah so you start literally from every scratch every day's a school day yeah
1: every facet of the business is like uh, just winging it yeah, yeah no it's, <laughs> and, it's learning, learning and everyone the is job. I learn think like the, the
0: younger you can learn that the better if everybody yeah. you know at school just learn I say this to my son who's 12 all the time I say, yeah you know, there's this presumption when you're a kid that adults know what they're doing but they don't mm. we're all just making it up no, as we exactly. go along and if you can learn that young exactly. then I think and the Prince's Trust I think is great for creating opportunities yeah people, definitely just go look we don't know what we're doing we're just no learning. that's it do you have a, a business mentor now still or are you yeah more... I still was
1: still in touch with him so it's just actually expired that period because you get that business mentor for two years right. we we're actually really good friends so I still okay. know, rack his brains now and then and um, I think it's yeah I think one thing I find really important and I tell anybody, I tell you know mates and family that whenever you're really not sure, there's no. Just don't be. A, I think a lot of people get uh, worried about asking stupid questions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the at the fear of looking dim or naive or silly. But you know, I mean, I was like that. But I just, it doesn't matter. It comes from school. I ask stupid questions. I'm completely used to it. Yeah. Um, I don't mind looking like a wally. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then when you start doing this, then you're, you're kind of,
0: I don't know, on your hands and knees, chucking a bucket of, of uh, <laughs> over the side and picking up some water to now where here we are, you're sat in an office and you've mentioned, you know, profit and loss accounts and all that kind of stuff. I guess the roles changed very much. What, what, what do you enjoy in the day-to-day kind of life of what you now do? What's your favourite bit?
1: Um, I love being hands-on with production and selling because... I'm that kind of person anyway that likes to be busy doing something with my hands. And I've enjoyed selling because I love telling people about the product, because I'm really passionate about you know, what we do. and I think it's excellent and I'm really lucky to do what we do. So those are my two favorite things, actually creating it and telling people about it. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm not, not such a fan of um, the books yeah. and paperwork and uh, oh, yeah, all that jazz, all the admin. You've got a good account? Yeah, yeah, fortunately. <laughs> yeah, you need yeah, the, 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 that's the other thing you learn, I
0: think, in business is that you know, you really need very different personalities and different people. And aren't we lucky? So, you, know, right. you like your hands and you like being creative, yeah. but other people, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm not one of those either, but they just love getting stuck into a spreadsheet <laughs> and getting
1: a calculator out. Pouring over a spreadsheet, yeah. yeah. And aren't it's we not... lucky?
0: My, my solicitor who, 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 like, I frustrate the hell out of because he sends me reams and reams of paperwork and stuff yeah. and I'm just like I, I'm, I, get, I shouldn't admit yeah. it but I'm never going to read it <laughs> just tell me just tell me the I five know. things I that I mean. should know yeah. and uh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah we're, we're very lucky that everybody's different um, yeah. uh, I fun. think
1: yeah it's a good thing to to um Surround yourself with people that are good at things that you're not Definitely. good at. Thank, so, thank, so thank the goodness, good human race and all, all, <laughs> all differences. Um,
0: so, if people want to buy the product, then they've, they've heard this, they're inspired, and they're no longer gonna. You know, this has become a very expensive uh, process doing these podcasts for me because now, you know, my poor wife, I've, I've now got my organic box of. Uh, Fruit and veg being delivered every week, and now only you know, want to eat the best chocolate, drink the best wine. English sparkling wine is now beating the French at champagne, and now I'm going to be moving on to uh, to salt. So, so apologies to anybody listening who's going to go, man, I'm going to go and buy some. Um, I suppose, how much is a jar of salt? And, and where do people go to buy it? They buy it on your website, as well as from local delis?
1: Yeah, so a jar of the natural salt, retails for three ninety nine, and a jar that's of- That's not going to break the bank. No. It? and then splash out, less that's than a pint. It. Yeah, exactly. See it like that, and it lasts a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or a jar of the flavoured salt will cost you five ninety nine. Okay.
0: 99
1: um, so you can buy them online through the website you can buy them on Amazon what's the website address? Uh, www.dorsetseasalt.co.uk I had to think about that for a you're, second. You, to be fair
0: it's good to, uh, you're, you're younger than uh, some of the people some of the people I ask they've got literally no idea, no idea what their website is they'll never go on to their own <laughs> website so well done either. congratulations <laughs> um, particularly good channel on social to go to are you more prolific on anyone Instagram are pretty
1: uh, active on uh, not so, on Facebook a little bit not so much on Twitter but Instagram's a go-to okay. for, for us um, and then yep, yeah, farm shops and delis across the south uh if you're ever in Selfridges, go in there and get some. Ah, amazing. Uh, yeah. That's good. That's a good <laughs> gig to
0: get. Great. Well, no, congratulations. It's brilliant. I, I love uh, what you're doing for so many reasons. You're, you're like, the, the historical aspect of it, you're creating jobs, you're in a beautiful part of the world, uh, and it's a great product. So, congratulations, and uh, thanks again for sparing the time to catch uh, up. No,
1: thank you very much. I, I,
0: I will put the uh, the website and, uh, yeah, the social and stuff in the show notes as well. So, humansofhospitality.co.uk to anyone listening, and your links will all be on there. Awesome. Thanks I appreciate so it.
1: Thank you very much for coming over. Cheers. Cheers
0: so there you have it you have reached the end of another episode of the humans of hospitality podcast thank you so much for listening Please go and visit our website, humansofhospitality.co.uk for the show notes and extra episodes and information. And whilst you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter and to receive free materials all about the humans behind our incredible industry. Lastly, if you could subscribe, rate and review this podcast, you will be massively helping me out and it would be hugely appreciated. Thank you so much. We'll be launching another podcast in just seven days time. Cheers.